0: What's up, everybody? We're back for week two here with Campus Life. My name is Austin.
1: This is Colin.
0: And we're back to talk more college football. I mean, we had a lot happen this week. We got a lot coming up the next couple weeks. So let's jump right in. Um, So we saw a lot of players in 2021 uh, join new teams via the transfer portal. It's kind of become like the, the meme of college football, you know, jumping into the portal. But we had a lot of guys this year that, that did it and uh, saw a lot of success with teams. Uh, we saw guys like Felipe Franks at Arkansas, uh, JT Daniels at Georgia the past couple of weeks here, uh, De'Ara King has had a pretty big impact at Miami. Uh, can't Tal- forget
1: Oklahoma, king of the transfer portal.
0: Exactly, exactly. Uh, Talia at Maryland, Khalil Herbert, Virginia Tech. I mean, there's, a, there's a, huge, a huge list. So looking forward to next year, we're already having – a lot of guys go into the portal here this off season. Who, who are some guys that you're looking at that you think can make an impact for like fantasy purposes moving forward?
1: Uh, well, I think I mean, right off the top, uh, you know, the news broke, uh, was that today? Uh, Mackenzie Milton entered the transfer portal, ended up going to Florida state. Uh, I believe he made that announcement today. So I think that's a great place to start. Um, you know, Mackenzie Milton it's kind of undersized for a quarterback there, 5'11" 185, but he started at UCF as a true freshman, which is something you always want to see. And he put up some some good stats there at UCF, particularly his sophomore year, uh, for over 4,000 yards passing, uh 37 touchdowns, you know, so he was he was carrying a lot of fantasy teams that year. Just you know had the unfortunate injury, um, you know, where, where Messed up his leg pretty bad, and and then they had Dylan Gabriel step in. So you know, and he's looked great. So they haven't really needed him. Um, so he just kind of redshirted this year. And, and you know, you want to see him go somewhere where he'll be able to play right away. Which I do think that Florida State will be a good opportunity for him. Now they do have Chuba Purdy there. Um, you know, Brock Purdy's little brother, and I think Chuba Purdy is going to give him a run for his money for the starting role next year, definitely. Now, I would have preferred to see him go somewhere where he could be a bridge QB for one of these top incoming freshmen. Uh, one of the places that I was really looking at was uh, Notre Dame, you know, with Ian Book probably leaving, you know, they're bringing in Buchner. I think he would have been a great fit there to keep, especially to keep them in the, in the playoff, uh, keep them relevant, but, that, you know, going yeah. to FSU, um, you know, I, I think a lot of the opportunity to make some noise for your fantasy team, but his days as a pro prospect are probably uh probably numbered yeah
0: yeah i can't i it's hard to imagine he passes like all the medicals and everything that you need to have when when
1: he goes to the combine in a couple years
0: it's it's really funny i saw an article that i think said that that he had three criteria when he was looking for a new team he was looking for a school that had a winning atmosphere currently (laughs) that he could go play right away and that had a good offensive line So if that was what he was going off of, I don't know, maybe they gave him like old Florida state tape and we're like, Oh yeah, that's what we were this year. (laughs) Because, because, I mean, from, from what I've heard, I actually haven't watched their past couple of games, but I've heard that they have a a new O-line coach who's actually kind of coached up the, the unit a little bit. So they're kind of more of like the sum of their than this, like the sum of their pieces or whatever. Um, And I, I haven't looked forward to see what they have coming in next year in terms of talent on the line. Although Florida is always loaded with, just athletes everywhere but you have to imagine this probably spells the end of purdy's time at florida state or at least severely diminishes his value because milton's he went there to be the starter he's not going somewhere where he's going to battle it out with some sophomore who looked like garbage this year and and had a seasoning ending injury so it wouldn't shock me if this is a domino and purdy ends up going somewhere else now and but I am interested to see that offense with him there. I mean, he was really good for UCF. It's just the stinks that of all the guys that could have come in, like Dylan Gabriel's like the one G five quarterback that's probably better than him that went there and has 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 done really well for them. So it, it is a bummer. i am I always worry about those guys when they have that that ter- that terrible injury. And then they try to play again. Like I cringe every time they're back there getting hit. But I do. I genuinely hope that he that they protect him. You know, all jokes aside, and that he is successful there next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to see guys like that be successful, especially because you know he had that great story at UCF. Um, But so you think uh, you think he's going to spell the end for Purdy there? You think he'll beat him out uh, next year?
0: Yeah, I have a hard time thinking that a guy that was like a mid four star quarterback hangs around. Two years without really starting. So I I don't know if we'll see him go anywhere this offseason or not, but you have to imagine that he probably wasn't thrilled when he woke up this morning and heard that news. So
1: Yeah. Definitely wasn't one of his better mornings, I'm sure. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I liked Purdy coming out this year. You know, he was one of my higher, he was one of the under the radar kind of guys. You know, he's he wasn't in the uh, DJU Bryce Young CJ Stroud tier, but you know he was one of my favorite guys in the next tier down. Um, you know, I think there's a good shot that he could beat out Mackenzie Milton. I mean, we haven't seen him since you know the injury, and you know, I mean, I I don't think Mackenzie Milton necessarily spells the end for Purdy, just because we've seen guys like what Jamie Newman transferred to Georgia. I'm sure he thought he was going to be the guy there uh you know and then they bring in JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett even beat him out you know I mean Newman,
0: no, New- Newman opted out for
1: the year Newman opted out for the year right but you know he opted out because Daniels was going to be to beat him for that job I'm sure when he was healthy and they just had Stetson Bennett who they were okay with the hold down the fort
0: gotcha gotcha well I think the other obvious guy that is already well. I don't even know if he's officially in the portal or not. I, I don't think he is, but it's Eric Gilbert, the tight end from LSU. I think everybody knows Gilbert's profile. I mean, he's the highest-rated tight end recruit in the history of the composite. He is just a crazy athlete. I mean, he was the Gatorade uh, National Player of the Year as a tight end, which is just ridiculous. Uh, he surprisingly went to LSU like that. what he wasn't. That wasn't on people's radars. I think all the crystal balls had pointed to georgia initially when when because he's from like right around school he's from marietta which isn't that far from from uga and so him like he he kind of committed there off the back of their national championship game i thought that was pretty obvious he kind of kind of was going in there had a good year i mean he missed a couple games with injury but it sounds like he was just homesick and i can't really blame a kid for that especially in these times like it's not exactly a, a great time i don't know like what his family's, you know, like financial situation or anything like that is, but he said he wants to go closer to home. Do you have a spot that you really want to see him at in terms of schools that are within a couple hours of him?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Uh, You know, you you hear a lot of the speculation being Georgia, Uh, obviously with that being, you know, right in his backyard in Marietta to Athens, you know, not that far away. And he visited Georgia, you know, like Like you're saying that that's kind of where people thought that, that he was going to go originally. So, I mean, you're going to hear a lot of Georgia talk, you know, until he finally makes a decision if he does end up leaving. Uh, But one of the other options that I haven't heard anybody mention yet, um, but that actually wouldn't surprise me that much would be Clemson. Now Clemson's actually only two hours from uh, Marietta. I had to, had to look that one up. Thank you. Google maps. Um, and he did have an offer from Clemson. Now he never visited Clemson, but he did have the offer there. And they do have an established quarterback, well, not really established, DJU there, but you know, I mean he, he came in this year, he looked he looked solid in his production as a freshman. Um, you know, it didn't look great against Notre Dame, but that's a tough defense. So, yeah. so we're going to give him a pass for some of the decision making there. But, you know, the Clemson just continually brings in talent. Dabo's a fantastic recruiter. You know, if, if Dabo can uh can get a hold of him and and you know put an offer out there, I could see Gilbert, you know, heavily considering that one. Cause they have uh Braden Galloway there, but and and he's good, but like we we're like you mentioned, you know, Gilbert's just in another stratosphere as a prospect. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, and they bring yeah. in uh, they bring in Jake Brinningstool this year too, which he's he's like one of the top tight ends. I don't remember if he's the top guy or not in the composite, but he's like not even on the same level as the top tight ends right. in last year's class. Like he's not a Michael Mayer. He's obviously not Eric Gilbert. He's yeah. uh, he's really small. Like he needs at least a year to to bulk and to kind of figure that part of college out. So right. you'd and have to
1: figure the opportunities there. Yeah, and and Gilbert came in you know, at, at a good size that you want to see for a tight end. Like he came in a grown man. He, he's college. that rare guy where you look
0: at him, and maybe not like mental maturity wise, but just physically, you're like, that guy could play in the NFL. You right. could put him in an NFL huddle and you wouldn't be like, Oh, there's the college kid. You know, yeah. it's like kind of like Jadavian Clowney and AP, like some of those guys that just, yeah. Yeah. They just, Fournette. they're built different as they yeah. say. So yeah,
1: I've and, heard. And I was going to say, um, you know, with with Gilbert too, like um, you know the the athleticism there too, with with just in another stratosphere as as that as far as the tight end goes as well. So he's got the whole combination, like we're saying, size and athleticism. It, it
0: really it really does suck because he was primed to be like the big receiving piece in that offense next year. Yeah. It's it's hard. I mean, a lot of college teams don't really highlight the tight end position. I think this year's Florida roster is like one of the few in recent years that that is really Made made it like a priority in the passing game, but he I mean, he was getting targets now with 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 Marshall out and Chase obviously missed the whole year, and they didn't they actually don't have like a lot a lot of wide receiver depth. They bring in a lot of guys this coming year here, so that should yeah. be interesting to see how that all mixes up. But you you had to figure he was going to get a Brevin Jordan type market share, maybe you know like a guy like yeah. that. So
1: yeah, that's very fair. Yeah,
0: yeah, so. It'll be cool. I mean, there's the other schools in, that are close to him. Georgia tech, obviously I've heard UF floated a little bit They're okay. like four hours from him. So it's not as far as Baton Rouge, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not Clemson either, but those yeah. are kind of the ones that I've heard that are, that are like within, you know, that, that radius. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm interested to see where he ends up next year.
1: Yeah. And then you always got to figure Bama always is going to be in the conversation for a guy like that as well. So you'll hear, I'm sure some speculation about that as well, since, you know, he would had an offer from them too.
0: And how nuts would that be if that game next year, be if he transfers to Bama and just, <laughs> cause they've gotten rid of that year where you have to sit. So now it's, yeah, you know, he could so go he in there. Play right away.
1: Yeah. 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 You can't imagine the coach. Joe would be too happy about that. No,
0: no. I kind of want to hear him rant about it just because I like hearing him talk a little bit, but Oh yeah. That, that gravelly right. voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, another size, speed kind of combo guy that that is rumored to be entering the transfer portal is Keontae Ingram from Texas. And uh, Herman came out this week and and downplayed it and said that no decisions have been made yet. That that he hadn't heard anything. He hadn't signed any paperwork. But there are rumors after Bijan's monster performance two weeks ago that that Ingram is going to be looking for another team. He's. Never really lived up to the hype. I feel like the last couple off seasons have been, you know, this is Keonta Ingram's year. And then he kind of disappoints. And then you say, well, this year is Keontae Ingram's year. He, he's a little banged up this year. Maybe you give him a pass on that. But I feel like he's always banged up. So he's never been a guy that I've loved. I thought maybe he'd be an NFL body, and but he's not been like a mega producer in college. And I didn't see him being that in the pros either. Is there a spot that you think, like an obvious spot that needs a running back you, you could see him going to?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing with him is, is like you were saying, he hasn't really done anything to really stand out as, as a running back. And then, I mean, obviously, Bijan coming in, you know, that, that spelled the end for him pretty much like right away. You could kind of see the writing on the wall there because just, Bijan's just in another level of a prospect as we yeah. you know. Yeah, Ingram was the number six running back in his class, so so he's no slouch as a prospect either. But um, you know, Bijan was just was always going to give him trouble. But I don't really see a lot of spots out there where I think he would a lot of big spots out there where I think he would come in and and play right away. I actually I do think he's going to have to settle for a a smaller Power Five program. Um, or you know, or a big G five program. So you know, I don't know if, if Luke Fickle sticks around in Cincinnati. Maybe you see him go there. Although they do have Jerome Ford.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, you know, maybe maybe Coastal Carolina um, impresses him enough that he ends up there after Maribel goes. Or like I said, you know, maybe you see him go to a to a smaller power five school. Um, you know, somewhere like. um I was going to say K-State, but they got Vaughn. Um, you know, if you're talking about sticking in the Midwest, um, yeah, I could see, I don't know, maybe Missouri um, yeah. maybe something like that. But well, I, I don't think there's any big jobs out there for them.
0: The only big school that I think right now really needs running back help is USC. They have a very muddled backfield, and most of the guys that they give touches to are on the older side. Between um, I don't even want to pronounce the they have like a Paul and Eugene kid that's that's leading <laughs> yeah. that backfield this year. I he's been getting a lot of touches, and then Stephen Carr gets a gets a good amount too. And then after that, like they have I mean, I'm a huge Keenan Kristen fan, but they're not really giving him touches. Like I think they prefer that bulkier kind of running back. So that's really the only bigger school that I really see
1: as like a possibility for them. But yeah, that's a great point. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, you know, think off the top of my head here too, maybe in Oregon, if, if you go out that way, because Verdell's leaving. So likely leaving. So yeah. you know, that's yeah. always an option there. But one of the things I do think Ingram will bring to the game, wherever he goes, is I, I was kind of impressed that he, they split him out wide at times um, as a receiver. So for a guy who's that big at, you know, six foot 220, he does have some decent receiving chops there. He does. He does. That's a good point. He, has, he
0: does have a very well rounded skill set. I guess my issue with him, besides just always being banged up, like if I have you on a C2C roster and like I can't put up with you not really producing in college unless you're just so like you have to be a pretty good talent for me to really want you on my roster in those kind of leagues, like a George Pickens wasn't really doing anything to the beginning of this year, but he's so good that like, I'm fine with him taking up a bench spot and never starting him on that side. Cause you, you're pretty sure he's going to be really good in the NFL with a guy like Ingram. I feel like he's almost a waste of a roster spot because he's like too good to cut but like you never really want to start them but you're not sure if you'll ever actually make it in the nfl right so he, he's like that archetype of guy where i just don't really want him clogging up my c2c rosters yeah
1: but he does have the name value there so yeah. you know maybe depending on where he ends up you can always float him as like a sell high you know wait until wait till he signs somewhere wait till a little bit of hype builds and then try and ship him somewhere else as part of you know part of a package so yeah yeah that'd be a route to take with him if That's cool. you know you if somebody else is in the mindset of you, or you don't really want him clogging the back end of your roster, but he does still have some value. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, so I think the like really the only other big name
0: so far. I don't even think he's a he's really that big of a name that I've seen that's entering the transfer porter portal is uh, Amarion Brown from Georgia Tech, and he's a guy that had a pretty good freshman year, and and he had. I think a lot of people were saying, well, this he'll kind of make the jump this year with Jeff Sims coming in to play quarterback and uh, Gibbs in the backfield. They had some other pieces there as well that were intriguing. And it doesn't ever just really seem like Sims and him were on the same page at all. And I think he probably got frustrated. And that's why he's leaving. He's not a big receiver, but he's not like I thought he was actually smaller than this. He's listed at 5'10", 170 I thought really? he was I thought he was like 5'8, 160. So that I, I like his height and I think if he adds a couple of pounds it won't kill him. Yeah. But he he's really dynamic with the ball in his hands. He like with the, the NFL they've started accepting a lot of these smaller receivers more and he's bigger than like the Tutu Atwells and KJ Hamlers of the world who I think he kind of fits in that like that that's his skill set, that's his niche if he that's goes to the ball. NFL. So he, i i'm really interested to see where he ends up i think he can go power five i mean it'd be cool to yeah. see him go to like purdue to replace rondell moore or i don't know like it's just a school like that that really might need another receiver that and he i mean he can do kick return and stuff too so he, he can get on the field that way at first
1: yeah i think one of the things with brown that actually impressed me the most was i mean yeah five ten. um you know he's he's not the biggest guy but You know, he still got up. You know, he high pointed the ball pretty well in the red zone. He had seven touchdowns as a freshman, um, which I think was Georgia Tech's like record uh, for freshman. So he does have like a little bit more of a skill set than I would say a KJ Hamler. And you know, as a as a Penn State fan, you know, uh, I liked Hamler, but I didn't love his pro prospects. You know, he just. He has tiny hands, too. But but with Brown, I think the, the difference there is, like I said, I think he offers a little bit more than just that um, 2-2 Atwell, KJ Hamler archetype that you were talking about there. I think he has a little bit of red zone value there, too. So I think yeah, Purdue would be a good, a good spot. But they do have my guy, uh, hashtag my guy, David Bell. Um, <laughs> so I think you could see him go there um i think you could see him go to i mean kaderi's tony's probably leaving so you know maybe he tries the, the florida route maybe he goes there um or you know maybe he goes to a smaller sec school like a, a mississippi state or an old miss and just just tries to go somewhere there but i think i do think you're right i think he could go somewhere in the power five for sure
0: yeah you, usf would be really interesting too Especially if they yeah. lose Marlon Williams this year, then they they can they'll have him and uh, Jalen Robinson kind of as their as their duo. I, w- I just thought of that as we were sitting here. I think yeah. that would be an interesting spot for him.
1: But. That'd be a really interesting spot for him, but they they would need a bigger guy there for sure. With um, Jalen Robinson's not the biggest guy either. You yeah. know, no. Uh, I think size wise, pretty comparable to to Brown actually. I think he's even smaller. Yeah, I think he's like
0: five nine something. So yeah,
1: so so pretty yeah. comparable there.
0: That's a good point. All right. So that's, that's kind of the overview of guys that I think have true NFL futures, but there are a lot of other interesting names for like the college fantasy side of things. Um, A guy that I was really high on coming out of college or coming out of high school. And I thought he would, I thought he caught Texas tech at the right or Texas A&M at the right time where they had a lot of openings at receiver And it was kind of that marriage of opportunity and talent. I thought he could go in there, work out the kinks his freshman year, and then really hit the ground running this year, is Dylan Wright. He was like a mid-ish four-star, so he had a pretty good recruiting pedigree. He was very raw. I I mean, I fully admit he was very raw, but big-bodied. And, yeah, I thought he would go in there, flash first year, and then maybe start to solidify himself this year. Then a and went out and recruited a bunch more wide receivers, including DeMoss, although he hasn't really played this year either. Um, but now Wright's leaving. I'm interested to see – I think he'll probably go small school route, but I, he could be one of those guys that that he disappears for a year or two and then pops back up a senior year with like a monster year somewhere. So he's a guy that's on my radar if I'm you know maybe trying to stash guys at the end of the season here as someone that – He's probably on. I, I he's on. Uh, he's a free agent in a lot of my leagues, and I think he presents a lot of value if he goes to the right spot.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's a size, typical size speed guy. You know, six four, two ten. He's just a crazy athlete. I mean, you saw him just big body guys uh, in his high school tape. You know, coming out, he was just he was just way bigger and way more athletic. Than most of the guys that he went up against, and if he does go the G five route, you know, go a little bit of smaller school, you could definitely see him do that to, you know, some guys in the Sun Belt or or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, I think he's definitely a good guy to keep an eye on as a potential big producer on the college side. He'll have to definitely refine himself a little bit though, more as far as like the technique goes if he wants to be a pro prospect.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, any other guys that kind of catch your eye that? yeah, maybe aren't NFL producers, but I'm very, you're very interested for your college teams.
1: Yeah. One of the guys that I like, um, you know, especially on the college side, there is going to be Peter Parrish. Um, you know, he was the the four star guy, uh, you know, 2019 went to LSU. obviously they had Joe Burrow there, so he wasn't going to play last year. Um, and then, you know, they have a couple other guys this year, just he never really got a shot. Um, but he's transferring there to Memphis. Um, And I think one of the things that interests me the most is the coach there, Silverfield, was the run game coordinator uh, when Norvell was there. And they just kind of promoted him within. So he's, you know, with the running game, you know, he's going to have a heavy focus on that. And Parrish is a true dual threat guy. Yeah, You know, 24-7 sports comped him to uh, Jalen Hurts coming out. So, yeah, more of a runner than a passer, but – I think that'll provide like a different dynamic than that with that offense than what you've seen in the past. And, you know, you always love the dual threat guys for, for fantasy, you know, the the Konami code. Yeah.
0: It it wouldn't shock me if you told me this time next year that he had like a Malik Willis type blow up out of nowhere. He would be one of the guys that I would, that I would point at because yeah, transfer new offense, but it's a prolific offense and they bring back a lot of talent at wide receiver too. I mean, Coxie leaves and Gainwell leaves at running back. But they, they always seem like they have a couple guys waiting in the wings. And they have like Calvin Austin there. Yeah, uh, they develop
1: guys well. Yeah, yeah, they
0: really do. If they don't really get it. I mean, they get nothing higher than like mid-low three stars. And they're they're just one of those teams that they yeah, they just do a good job developing.
1: Yeah, well, and especially like we were saying with the run game too. You know, they, they brought out um, you know, Gibson, Gainwell, Henderson. So, you know, they're at Pollard. So yeah. they're constantly churning out running backs there, and you know, they'll have a so I'm sure they'll develop some guys there. So, you know, you could get a little bit of a read option attack going with Parrish and, you know, whoever they have there for running back for next year. And I think you could get a lot of fantasy value there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, I'd agree with that. The only other guy that I that caught my eye when I was scrolling through the list of guys that are in there is uh, Cassidy Woods, who is one of the Island of Misfit Toys guys coming out of Washington State this year where the coach, they, they all signed that that like unionization, you know, whatever. And the, and the coach, it was, it was big news because he said like a lot, I can't guarantee your roster spot next year at at kind of threatening, you know, threatening them that because they signed this, they, they weren't welcome anymore.
1: Um, Right. Well, that was Washington state was really the only area where the only team that you saw that, that kind of had like a big problem with that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely didn't handle it well because no, no one's even talking about that anymore. No, like,
1: it's a not story.
0: You, you had to, you literally as a coach, you just had to say nothing, right, for like three weeks, and it was over. And they couldn't even do that, so not a lot of high hopes there. But he's leaving there. He's a bigger guy, kind of athletic. the The Washington State uh, beat guys really kind of highlighted him as a when he as a true freshman in camp that year as a guy that was impressing. It's the Mike Leach offense, so I don't know how well he translates to like another offense. But I am interested to see if he goes somewhere. Def, I don't think he's a he's a power five guy at all. But could see him go. I don't know where he's from. But you know, like a a Western Michigan level of of yeah. play, and, and see him do pretty well there.
1: Well, you brought up the the Mike Leach connection, and you know Mississippi State. Um, uh, you know, they're going to be looking for guys, you know, they kind of had a mass exodus there with Mike Leach. So, you know, I think you know, maybe, maybe Mike Leach brings him in and sees you know, just to see what he can do if, if he wants to go the power five route. Um, but I do agree with you. I do think he probably would be a better suited for, uh, for a mid tier G five school yeah. if he just wanted to put up some production, but you know, definitely a guy to keep an eye on though, for sure. Cause he's got the size, you know, it's 64 225 So yeah. Yeah, you know, He could definitely burst, you know, and I'm sure he's a guy who's free right now. So, yeah. you know, if your waivers are still open, you have an open spot, you'll pick them up, see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect.
0: All right. Well, we'll continue to monitor that situation. And we'll probably talk about the portal again this off season, just because, like I said, I mean, there's like 15 guys that entered it today. Like with, with the COVID kind of freezing everybody's eligibility for this year, it's going to be really interesting to watch those situations play out. But you have to imagine that we might see some other big-ish names go that route. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, it, it, The other thing that I kind of have been looking at the past couple of days is – and it just got me thinking because Christmas is like a week away and we still have regular season college football or at least like con- you know conference championship games, which yeah. is just mind-blowing to me. But there are a lot of – I mean there are some – interesting games. I don't know how many of them are going to be good, but for for if you're looking for Debbie C2C guys with opt-outs and things happening, who are, who are some guys maybe, uh, for instance, in the Pac-12 game, USC and uh, with Washington being a, a late scratch, we have Oregon now filling in. What, what are some things that you're watching for in that game?
1: Well, I, I mean, Oregon's coming off of two bad losses here, um, so I'm kind of surprised that they got in, but with Washington not really being able to do anything with COVID. Um, I guess it's just kind of like, well, who are we going to bring in that has a name? You know, who, who, who might bring in some, in some viewers. So I guess that's why Oregon got the the nod there, but a guy that I'm looking at, uh, for, as far as like the, the Debbie C2C side of things goes uh, Drake London uh, for USC there, um, you know, big body guy, six five, two ten, 10. But, he's he's athletic too. I mean, he's a basketball player there for USC too. So you know he's two sport athlete at the d at a high d one level. You know he's a big time athlete. Um, didn't get a lot of time last year for, for basketball uh, for usc. so you you hope that he goes and and focuses more on football going forward and realizes that that's probably his ticket forward. but he was a four star guy in in last year's class and like I said, he's not he's not just a jump ball guy. You know, he actually does a lot of stuff over the middle, um, you know, so I, th- I think he's a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on there, particularly with an eye towards 2021 with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown likely leaving and Tyler Vons with his what is it's like sixth year of eligibility there or something.
0: Yeah, he, like he he's gonna go hang out with the BYU guys. He's so old.
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's like the Perry Ellis of uh, of, <laughs> of USC at this point. So, so yeah, I mean, he, he's gone. He's got to be. Uh, so Drake London, I think, has a chance to be like the guy there next year. Uh, now, obviously, they do have McCoy, so you know, we'll see. We'll see what what goes on with that. But I I like Drake London's skill set a lot. He's a little bit bigger than what I typically like in a receiver, but again, going back to just his athleticism. He's just a fluid mover, great movement skills as an athlete. So I think that mitigates that size for me a little bit. But I know you're a big uh, a size uh, guy. So, what what are your thoughts on London? <laughs>
0: that sounds so wrong. So I don't know why you had to phrase it like that.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, if, I mean, everybody knows you're you're
0: uh, you're a size guy. So, so six six five is like right on the border for me of of too tall. Six six is like really where I'm just I really start doubting. Got guys like uh, like Warren Jackson, TJ Vasher. Uh, They're kind of like the. It's just a little too tall for me. I haven't watched that much of London. I I, I watched, so I, I did watch the USC game this past weekend and he had like that really nice, long, deep catch. I still think McCoy might be the better player of the two, but I am interested to see like, if like you were talking, if Vons comes back because everyone gets that extra year of eligibility. Like, I really want to know what's going on behind the scenes with these teams. If, if coaches kind of have a foot like on the back of you and there's, you know, kind of see you out the door. Uh, because I mean, you, you can't say no if Vaughn wants to come back. He's a decent player. Right. But then, and then you also have Gary Bryant Jr., who I really, really like that was in this year's class, but he's he's the Amon Ra. Replacement. Yeah. He's yeah. That's, that's the next logical
1: replacement there.
0: So, but USC always supports multiple receivers. Um, so I'm not that worried about that. I worry a little bit about Slobus. I'm not going to lie. He has not developed like I thought he would this year. He, he okay. he's good for the production for all those guys there. Right. So in a C two C, still worth having. But uh, he just hasn't grown for me. He, he throws some really questionable balls at times. He hasn't really learned how to vary velocity on throws. He has like one one speed, and that's really it. And it's not Brett Favre, either, you know, breaking <laughs> dudes' fingers and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's not a softball either. But it's so. I have really mixed feelings on Slovis and I don't think this Oregon game with all their guys, they have opted out or injured is really
1: going to show that
0: much for me on him either.
1: Where do you have Slovis in your ranks right now for assuming 2022 class?
0: So coming into the year, I had him as my quarterback, uh, one, two, three, four. I had him behind Hal Daniels and Rattler.
1: For those of you you who couldn't see, he was counting on his fingers. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to get to my toes, so we did fingers for this this round.
0: And I feel like at, like he might still be number four for me, but there's definitely a drop after those first three, in my opinion, okay. between them and Slovis. Because then after that, you have like Dylan Gray, Gabriel, Graham Mertz, Grayson McCall, Grant Gunnell. There and that I think he's better than those guys, but I, I yeah, I just need to see a little bit more development out of him. Right.
1: So, not to throw you too big of a curveball here, but this is something I know I had mentioned. Um, you know, we, you and I had talked about a little bit preseason um, was the possibility of JT Daniels being in the twenty twenty two class. Where, where do you, where, how do you compare those two? Where would you think you would slot JT Daniels in? I
0: have Daniels listed with the with, as soon as guys become eligible, I put them in this year's class, and then I'll I'll bump them as need be once they say they're okay. going
1: back. So
0: I. I probably have Daniels rated a little bit lower than him right now, but I haven't sat down and broken down what he's doing
1: right yet this yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, so, he just started playing again. Yeah. I
0: think the bigger, like I would have been really interested to see Daniels come back this year again. I know it was never going to happen because you yeah. can't, you can't have a guy lose a job, somebody younger than him, take it and then have the older guy come back and take it. Like that's just right, well, that's the,
1: the Jacob from Jakey, you know, yeah. Jacob Beeson thing.
0: Yeah. So you, you can't do that. So it, it was inevitable. He was going to leave, but I really would want to have wanted to see those two really compete and see who, who could have snagged that job. If, if all things were equal. Right. So, yeah. All right. So, on the Oregon side, does anybody interest you over there?
1: Um, I mean, you got um, a, <laughs> you got a uh, Tyler Show, Shug, Shuck, however you pronounce his name. He says uh, Shuck. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, the last time I looked at an O U G H ending, you don't pronounce it with a C K in there. You know, I'm not an English major, but uh, I, I don't know why you pronounce that Shuck, but.
0: I really just want him to be the top guy in his class. So the saying can be suck for shuck. <laughs> I want it so bad. I don't think he's that level of a player, but that would
1: no. be a lot of fun. No. Well, I mean, he's a, he's a junior. So you, you got to think he'll probably be the, in, in that 2022 class, um, assuming he keeps that starting job beyond, beyond this year. Cause he hasn't really looked like anything special, yeah, um, and
0: they have what Thompson coming in this year. Is that the yeah? Yeah, the they have Thompson.
1: And they also brought in a guy last year. Um, they brought in two guys last year. They brought in uh, what was it, Duckworth or Buttersworth or something like that, something like that. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a guy that I was in, interested in. You know, Mrs. Buttersworth's son is like six six. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a guy that I was. He was a statue in the pocket, so I wasn't a guy I was interested in. But I did like the other guy though, uh, Robbie Alford. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, he was a guy that I, he was definitely one of my sleepers, um, you know, at, in that freshman class. So he's a guy who's on a lot of my watch lists. So I'm going to keep an eye on that spring game this year and just kind of see how he does. Um, and then they had also brought in Anthony Brown, but, you know, you got to think he's probably not going to stick around since yeah. he didn't win that job. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. I'm avoiding
0: Oregon quarterbacks at all costs in all my leagues. Like, I'm not taking Thompson and in freshman drafts this year. I'm not going out to get Shuck because I don't have him anywhere. I'm not going out to get Ashford. I like, I just don't want any of these guys. Maybe one of them – and that's where the value is though, right? Like, If you go out and get one of these guys and they turn out to be really good, then you got them for cheap. I just don't like trying to decipher that crap, especially on a team where I don't think any of them are really – NFL guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree there. I just I like the uh the the dual threat possibility there of uh, Ashford. So, he's like I said, he's a guy who's just on my watch list, but you know, I'm with you there. I, I'm not really interested in either of those guys. The only guy that I would really even potentially be interested in for for C2C there for the future on Oregon uh would be uh Devon Williams. Okay. Uh, you know, redshirt sophomore uh transferred from from USC, but he was a four-star guy. You know, he was number six receiver in his class. You know, he's big body guy, 6'5", 205. Um, he's, got, he's shown a little bit of production here this year, uh, you know, 13 catches, 264 yards, two touchdowns, you know, in a limited four-game span. So, obviously, with the Pac-12 this year, it's, it's kind of tough to judge a lot of people based on statistics, but, you know, he's a guy that I have an eye on. Um yeah, we'll we'll see how how that shakes out. But as far as anybody on Oregon side, it's really the only guy I'm looking at for next year for CJ.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he's jumped because Micah Pittman was kind of the big guy that was on yeah. watch list this year, and he just, I mean, he's the kid is always injured. Like bless yeah. him, but he, yeah, I mean, availability is the best ability. He's never around. He makes like one really nice catch, and then three plays later gets hurt, and that's that's his story. I, I liked him because I mean he obviously has the bloodlines with his brother who's with the Colts yeah. right now and like and yeah he looked good as a freshman but I just can't I have him in one league and I he's right on the edge of guys that I would consider cutting although the rosters are expanding in that league this off season so I probably won't he'll probably hang around for a while but yeah he just he's not really kicked on like I I hoped he would.
1: No, yeah, he just, like you said Availability is the best ability And if you can't stay healthy in, in college You're definitely not going to stay healthy At the next level there too So I don't really think he offers a ton as a pro prospect either So he's not even like Like you mentioned earlier where the guy If you have some pro prospects You may stick around at the end of your roster I don't necessarily even think he falls into that category So yeah, if you, if the rosters weren't expanding in that league I, I think you could go ahead and cut it Yeah, yeah Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we have a bunch of other games, too. We have Big 12 Championship with Oklahoma-Iowa State, which is a rematch from earlier in the year. I think a lot of us left both of these teams for dead really earlier in the year. I mean, Iowa State had some struggles, uh, but they've been more impressive the past couple weeks. The defense has been looking solid. They have Brock Purdy, who finally looks like himself. Brees Hall just smashes every week. And and uh, in the first matchup, Iowa State won this game. They won by seven. Yeah. Um, but since that game, it was October 3rd, uh, Oklahoma 6-0. and They're averaging 46 points a game. And it seems like they had a pretty young offense coming in this year. They've definitely settled in. So what, what are you looking for in this game?
1: Uh, one of the things I'm interested in seeing is uh, Brees Hall round two with Oklahoma's defense. Now, Oklahoma's defense at the beginning of the year was just an absolute sieve. like They were just getting gashed. Uh, all over the place, but since then, you know they've really tightened things up. Uh, they're the number four rush defense on in the, in the nation. You know, they're only averaging giving up 88 yards per game, and you know Bryce Brees Hall uh, put up 139 in their first matchup. So I'll be interested to see him. You know how they game plan against him because I mean he's the focal point of that offense. Yeah. So you know everybody's been trying to game plan against him all year. M- meanwhile, he's throwing up 100 yards every game except for the last two where he hit 91 and 97. So I'll be interested to see if they can limit him somewhat. But uh, as far as like, you know, guys that maybe, you know, aren't the, the obvious choice there, uh, a guy I like there uh, for Iowa State is Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, you know, he was the JUCO transfer this year, uh, three-star from blinn college um which you know we're gonna have to obviously shout out one juco school every every episode now after episode one um blinn is in texas for blinn's, anybody who does pretty that. blinn's pretty
0: famous aren't they
1: yeah yeah i mean it's it's a texas school so so i i was just poking fun at, it at episode one there with our our kansas juco ranks but uh, yeah, no, it came out of Juco there to blend. Um, didn't light the world on fire, uh, you know, 47 catches 652 yards, five touchdowns. But he was a three star Juco transfer, which, you know, like we had mentioned before, like, that's, that's pretty high of a, of a Juco transfer. And he does have like the size, like we we're saying 6'3", 207, But he also has good movement skills at that size. Um, you know, he's, he's a, uh, he's a kind of guy who actually has like solid route running ability. And there was this really good article I was reading on a, a website called Wide Right Natty Light, which I guess is some uh, <laughs> some Town Iowa State, State blog. Sounds <laughs> legit. Uh, it is. It was very <laughs> legit. They had. It was no. It was actually a really good article though. Where they had like um, some clips of his, of his route running ability at Blinn because it was an article from over the summer uh, coming into this year. So. They were highlighting like the, the different routes that he was running. They they broke down like the different concepts and that he was running with uh, a couple of different stick routes and a couple of things over the middle too. So uh, it was a really good article. Check that out. You know if, if you're if you're interested in Xavier Hutchinson. But I was I was impressed. Like I said with with his route running ability at that size. But this year, you know he's 50 receptions, 612 yards, four TDs. So he's the big threat there in the pass game for them. Um, so I'll be interested to, to see how he does in that one as well.
0: I expected uh, Tariq Milton to kind of be their guy this year that was uh, the leading the way. Um, I, I was surprised when I saw a couple weeks ago that that he was doing so poorly and that Hutchinson has had really kind of kicked on for them. Um, are you interested at all in um, Charlie Kohler as far as tight ends go? I mean, this is such a loaded class. Maybe yeah. he goes back next year, though, at that extra year. But we're going to say that about everybody for the next, like, eight months. Maybe he goes back because they have an extra year of eligibility.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, we're going to be saying that till January, you know, until they have to declare. You know, it's, it's going to be so much up in the air. So, that is one thing I don't like about this, uh, about rookie drafts for this year, is it's just going to be so unpredictable yeah. um, until people actually declare. But, yeah, I like Kohler. Uh, but, like you're saying, this is just such a loaded class that – you know, if, if he had come out last year, you know, Kohler probably would have been my TE one. But in this in this class, you know, he's definitely behind Pitts, definitely behind Friar Muth, behind Brevin Jordan. Uh, you know, Kate Otten from uh, Washington. If he comes out, it's a guy I like a little bit better as well. So I like Kohler, but you know, he's not a guy that I'm I'm, I'm like super excited about or anything. Yeah,
0: no, that's fair. Yeah, he's very vanilla. So I don't. Yeah, I, I'd echo that sentiment. Is there anybody on – I mean, Oklahoma obviously has Rattler, who has, has been pretty good this year. We talked a little bit about him last week. They have just a ridiculous amount of receivers. I mean, they're one of those schools that kind of just hoards them. They have uh, – in terms of guys that I'm interested in, they have Mims, Hasselwood, and Weiss. Uh, Hasselwood's still kind of coming back from that knee injury, and Mims might be out this week. So maybe it's a Weiss week, which I, I, I want to see him tested again as the lead right. guy because he he failed at it earlier in the year, but he seems to have steadied himself over the past month, month and a half. Um, so I, I do want to see what he does this week. and I think if if there's somebody that I'm watching in that game on the Oklahoma side, it's probably Wiese.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely get that. I mean, like we mentioned a couple times before, you know, Oklahoma's starting slow. So you don't want to write anything off, but you do probably want to put a little bit more weight on their more recent performances. so, yeah, that's definitely a great point on Weiss. Um, I'm a big Marvin Mims guy though. I like Marvin Mims, Marvin Mims a lot. Um, you know, four star guy, so so solid recruit, five eleven, one seventy seven, but he's leading the team in in receptions, so and in yards. So as a freshman, that's always something you like to see. Um, but even at that smaller size, yeah, you know, he's really good in the air. Yeah. He is uh, he's, he's yeah, great Libre. High points the ball really well. So so I like Mims over Weiss personally.
0: Well, you're you're burying the lead a little bit there because even with Mims most I think the most impressive thing about him is that he set a bunch of like Texas career records receiving last year in <laughs> high school. Like which I for me, if I'm if I'm choosing between two players and one of them in high school was this super mega producer at a high level in Texas, I probably want that guy because yeah. that the height, the football there is like nowhere else it's just a unique brand and he I mean he had like f- over 5000 receiving yards in his career he had a ton of touchdowns he I, so I, he was a guy like right away when he like he, I at least was aware of him coming into the year because sure. because of that
1: so yeah i was honestly surprised he wasn't a little bit higher rated i mean he was only the number 29 receiver in that class and if you're breaking texas high school records you think you'd be be higher up there but yeah.
0: And go no. to Oklahoma
1: yeah 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 usually get a little bit of bump for that but
0: yeah all right so big Ten game this is going to be a pretty brief discussion I feel like because one <laughs> of these te- one of these teams doesn't have a lot going on yeah <laughs> so it, this game is really interesting from the standpoint though that I'm sure Northwestern wants to go out and play spoiler and we've heard like Florida's coach and Am's coach and stuff over the past couple weeks saying they don't think Ohio well they haven't named Ohio State but you know they said I don't think you should get into the playoff with five wins or whatever. And then the big 10 had to go and, and change their rules because they had that game against Michigan canceled. Exactly. That exactly. yeah, would have been a nightmare. So there's a lot of things going on around this game. So I could see Ohio state just coming out and ending this game by the first quarter.
1: Yeah. That's like, what
0: I think is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, Northwestern is a good defense and we saw last time, I mean, is there are defensively? Are they're kind of comparable to Indiana, who gave yeah. them some pretty big troubles earlier in the year, but yeah, I had to imagine Ohio State is just ridiculously hyped for this game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've they've been hearing all week, you know, everybody talking about how they're five and zero. They shouldn't be in the in the Big Ten championship because they had that rule with six games. They had to make an exception to get them in there. Um, you know, you have other people who think that maybe they don't even necessarily deserve to be in the playoff picture, although with Florida losing now, it's kind of hard yeah. to it's kind of hard to keep them out because they're they're just obviously the best team in the big 10 and it's not even really close. So I think you're right. I, I, th- I could see Ohio State coming out early just jumping on them, ending this game by the first half for sure. you know I yeah. think Northwesterns a, it's a nice story um you know you like to see the schools like that you'll have a big year especially in a controversial year like this year with COVID and everything but there just isn't much on Northwestern fantasy f- fantasy wise um, yeah.
0: I, I was looking at their at their roster their day and there's just literally not not a single person on that team I would want for no for even for like the college side of things I mean they're a true committee at running back their passing offense isn't potent enough to, to interest me at all. There, there's some I, I play we play in a league that's IDP with them, and there are some intriguing yeah. guys on that side of things, but that's about as far as it goes really with them.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing fantasy-wise that I'll be interested to see in this one it's kind of like what we mentioned back in episode one. You know, a little bit of a throwback here for me, Trace Sermon. Um, you know, I, I want to see him perform well down the stretch, like I was saying. You know, he's a guy who I think will be a riser. If, if he puts string some nice games together, but Northwestern has a good rush defense. So, you know, yeah. I'll be interested to see, you know, what he can do against them. And if they do get up big early, you know, they'll probably try and salt the game away with the running game. So I think I could see him having like a, a hundred yard game here, you know, 120 yards on the ground. That's fair. The only guy that I, I really
0: interested in this year and cause I liked like I know he's very div- divisive. I, I, I like him a lot. Um, I mean, he's kind of unfortunate that it's such a loaded class that that he's not going to be higher. Right. But but Garrett Wilson for me actually has he hasn't risen at all in my rankings. I still had him as the number two receiver coming into the year, but he has really impressed me. He last year he was just a jump ball guy, and I well I thought he was a lot bigger than he is because they used him in that role. I was like, oh, he has to be like six two, six three. He's six foot fl- like flat, and that might be yeah. a stretch. He's only 193 pounds. When they said they were moving him into the slot this preseason, I was like, "Why wouldn't you just play a lave there? Or like, if you really have to move somebody there, why wouldn't you use uh, JSN there? Yeah, who, you, who seems like a natural fit." But I, I, he he it has a little Jerry Judy to his game with that wiggle, and he's okay. pretty intri- he's pretty intriguing after the catch. He's always open, he's a very well rounded skill set. So he's a guy that has really. Even though he hasn't risen in my rankings at all, I've definitely, the like my my opinion of him is definitely solidified. Right. So.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that too. Actually, I mean he he's was my wide receiver three um in, in that class. You know, like we mentioned on uh camp Canton bound uh, last week. You know, you're a big Pickens guy, number one for you. I'm a big David Bell guy. He's number one for me. Um, so I do have, uh, Garrett Wilson as my number three receiver, but I, I totally agree with you. He's just, he's shown everything that you wanted to see, uh, in, in him this year. So I think he solidified himself as a top prospect and yeah. I don't see him falling anywhere. I don't necessarily see him jumping Pickens or bell, but I don't see him falling either. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I'd be comfortable Giving him, like, I if we got to the end of a first round or you know, beginning of a second round and a startup, I would be more than comfortable taking him there. That that would be, I mean, because at this past year he was going like mid late second, and I was like, that's just yeah. too early for me, but I, I would gladly take him in that spot now and be happy about it. So,
1: right, because also you're going to get that extra year of production from him next year, you know, being a sophomore and stuff. And yeah, Fields is going to leave, but you know, the, they it's Ohio State, they're going to have a quarterback, they have you know they're bringing in what mccord they have stroud so you know somebody's going to step in there and and be productive so you are going to get a a nice year next year out of him fantasy wise on the college side as well so i think that does weigh into that
0: i I am that receiving room next year is just ridiculous
1: with the the commitment of abuka the other
0: day because it was like assumed for months that abuka was going there and then the past couple weeks it was like oh well it sounds like maybe he's looking at Oklahoma. he went down there for a visit, and then right after he got back from the visit he he said he was declaring, yeah, so I was like this is just obviously that he's go he's obviously going to Oklahoma, yeah, and then he came out and and said that that he was going there and i more power to him. I don't know we're gonna see some some really speaking of the transfer portal earlier, we're gonna see a big name or two come out of there that oh, that for sure. like the, and they're gonna go to like a you know, like a, a West Virginia or something somewhere like that, like that size of a school and just absolutely crush
1: for like a year or two. Yeah. Because they have Ohio state brought in how many guys this year? Um, you know, they had Fleming who hasn't really done much, but he was like the top receiver yep. in the class, so, you know, high five star guy, it, you know, hasn't really done that much this year. You know, they have JSN, like you mentioned before um, they got your guy, Bruning's guy, Guy Scott junior. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, And. Yeah, and Mookie Cooper. They had four top 100
0: receivers this year.
1: Yeah, four top 100 receivers this year. They're bringing back Garrett Wilson. There's five. Then you throw in Egbuka like you were saying, uh, and I'm sure they're going to snag another guy or two here. It, you know, probably another top 100 receiver or two. They
0: they have uh, Ballard as well. I believe is a 21 guy who's also like a top top uh, receiver going into next year. So yeah, I mean, it's just I, I don't know. <laughs> I think we're going to see this bubble pop. Of, I agree. of guys like that are congregating all at one school. I think eventually it's going to like there's going to be a a stretch of a couple years where where it doesn't work out for a bunch of top guys and I think that's going to start tempering that movement. Yeah, it's like the Jaden Ballard. is a number 9 receiver in this class. Okay. Um and he's 6'2" 175, he's going there. But those Those are the only two top 100 guys, I think. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. falls just outside that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually, I actually really like Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, it's really hard not to uh, look at the name there. Yeah, obviously. I mean, his dad is Marvin Harrison. He's not some other (laughs) Marvin Harrison. So you have to figure that he uh, he's really good. I I I like his game a lot. He's big. He's a lot bigger than his dad,
1: Um, but. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good point about seeing that bubble burst here soon. And I do hope that happens sooner rather than later, because you want to see these high five star guys go somewhere where they can be productive, you know, right away. Like, if you're going to spend the capital on them in a C2C freshman draft, you're, you know, you obviously to get a five star guy, you're going to have to spend a huge portion of your uh, of your budget. So, or, you know, take him with a high pick, you know, however you, you structure your offseason freshman drafts. But you, you know, if you're paying that much for him, you want to see him produce yeah. pretty much right away. You don't want him to be sit there freshman year. You know, if they bring in somebody else. They recruit over him. They leave, go somewhere else. Now you got to wait till he's a junior to produce. That's not what you want. So I do hope we see that bubble burst soon.
0: Yeah. I mean, and the frustrating thing is they Ohio State uses these guys just enough. Yep. Where maybe they don't then maybe they don't leave. But because I mean they 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 haven't done so much this year, and I think it's because of the situation more than anything else with you know COVID and everything. But they they'll like they'll run like hockey shifts. Like they'll put three guys in and then they you know they'll run a couple of plays and then they'll just swap in you three other high four star guys and they just wear you down like that. Bama doesn't quite do it the same way, but they use those guys too. So those are the two schools that maybe the bubble never bursts for them, but You know, maybe at Georgia or Arizona State has been bringing in a bunch of guys, or USC, like those schools. You know, maybe we see that happen. I I don't know.
1: Well, maybe the bubble doesn't burst completely, but maybe it gets deflated a little bit, where they only bring in, you know, two guys in a class every year instead of four at Ohio State. But yeah, poor little old Ohio State, gonna have to Roll around around in the the mud
0: with the rest of my state. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, another school that brings in a lot of receivers. Speaking of that, is Clemson. They play
1: ACC. That was really good. I've been working on that.
0: I've been working yeah. on that. I watch, it shows. I watch a lot of uh, watch a lot of ESPN nowadays. To,
1: to well, that, that, that that's not the place to watch if you want the smooth transitions.
0: Stephen A. Smith shouldn't be the guy that I'm
1: uh, four. I mean five, six. <laughs> 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 Yeah, if you're Stephen A. Smith, though, that makes me max, and I don't want to be. I, I don't want that. Uh, All right, I thought I ruined your transition here, but anyway, you did.
0: No, it's fine. It's fine. This is recognize this. This is more us, anyway. Let's be honest. Yeah. So ACC this weekend, another rematch. I'm not sure this is a good game either. It was close last game, and I do think Notre Dame, like (sighs) Notre Dame, getting the full force of Clemson with Trevor Lawrence there. Is a lot different than with DJU there. It just is. Even even with how well within the circumstances he played in that game, it's just totally different. This is another game where I could see Clemson just you know Dabo in the locker room going, "Oh shucks, they hate us," and I'm going out (laughs) there and and you know
1: it just steamrolling Notre Dame. Yeah, I think that too. I mean. Clemson definitely has something to prove, you know, I think there was a reason they were the number one team coming into the year. And, you know, Alabama has, you know, obviously looked phenomenal all year, which, you know, we'll get to them later, but yeah, I think with Lawrence back and I think Venables is going to get that defense up and get them hyped, you know, because they didn't play great against Notre Dame. I mean, it's Ian book. You know, like can Ian book, you know, had a good game against them. You know, they just, I, I do think we're going to see Clemson just trash them. But what I want to see is ETN. Can he have a bounce back against that good Notre Dame Runch defense? Uh, you know, ETN 18 carries for 28 yards and a touchdown. Like, you know, that was just far and away his worst game, probably at Clemson and you know, you want to see him bounce back against a top-tier defense because, I mean, yeah, he gashed Miami early in the year for 149 yards, and that's you know Miami's Miami, so they have a solid defense every year. But I don't of know. It,
0: did you watch that game on Saturday?
1: Oh, that's a fair point. Fair point. Yeah. They did just give up 500 yards. <laughs> Touche. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. So. Yeah, but I, I anyway. I back to ETN. I, I do want to see him do something this week. You yeah. know, he's probably not going to move out of my out of my top spot. You know, it's him and Najee, and you know, maybe maybe Naji like pulls into a one A one B situation. But I don't know if I see him jumping ETN for me. But I would just really like to see ETN have a bounce back. So,
0: I was t- we were talking before the show here. Uh, this is the time of year where I start really adjusting my rankings. I I like to get that full season in before I start doing it. And I have Najee number one now after having ETN as number one for a while. I I have Najee jumping him. Um, I don't think Najee creates as well for himself as ETN can, but he – I just have a really hard time watching Najee and not thinking that even if he goes to a terrible team or – like I just ha- I have a hard time seeing him be anything less than a high end running back two, on like a That's season to season basis. I think he's going to be much more steady. Where ETN, I th- I think he's a better player, and I know I always I always profess you know draft the upside, go for the home run hitter. But with how early ETN is going to go in drafts, I'm not really comfortable taking that big of a chance that early in draft like in rookie drafts this coming year. He's going to go like one hundred three, one hundred four, because there's just n- no running backs at all in this year's class.
1: Right.
0: So, I—I I mean, Najee's probably going to go early too. So, I, I probably won't own a lot of any of those guys and dynasties. And I actually don't own either of them in any of my C two Cs either, because um, I don't believe in taking running backs early. I just don't believe in in that
1: uh, in those drafts. But yeah. That's fair. I actually kind of differ philosophy there. wise. like, I wanted to get my running backs last year. I was a huge fan of Swift. You know, he was my RB one. I was big Dobbins guy as well. Um, you know, so I wanted to make sure, but, but then you also had Taylor and CEH and acres as well, which, so I wanted to make sure I got, I came out of last year's drafts with at at least one of them, hopefully two of them, if I could do it. Um, and so I, I wanted to make sure I got my running back last year. Cause I do like to, you know, have one rock solid RB one that I can just rely on for the next you know, three, four years on the, on the NFL side uh, of things. So, you know, I do like to build around my running back a little bit, but I, you're right. I probably won't end up with any of ETN or Harris this year, just because there's, n- there's no other running backs. They're just yeah. all a bunch of guys for me. So you are going to see them go earlier. And can you imagine if those guys had come out last year? Like oh what this God.
0: year's class would look like? Like, yeah, I, this would this it, without those two, this would be the weakest running back class I would have ever seen in my life.
1: Yeah, the, definitely the weakest running back class in in memory. Like for sure for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of the Jacob Sanders class, uh, but I at least liked those two guys. You know, and then you had Darrell Henderson who made a little bit of noise this year. So you know, whatever. But. Uh, yeah, if they had come out last year, you had you would have had six like RB ones in that class. Like it would have been 2017 all over again.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: No, it is pretty ridiculous. Um,
0: so Naji Alabama, they play this weekend as well. It seems like they that game seems to be less hyped now because Florida lost this weekend uh, and in rather embarrassing fact fashion. Side note, Dan Mullen. Like just stop <laughs> shut shut up. Shut up. You he makes an ass of himself every week in his postgame yeah. comments. Like you don't have to bury your guy. But you can say like, yeah, like maybe it wasn't the best decision. Like we talked to him about it, obviously in the heat of the moment. You know, you can give one of those bullshit answers yeah. that everybody eats up. But going, oh, he was just jumping up and the, the shoe went. Yeah, I, didn't, like,
1: I didn't see it go anywhere. It somehow like, went twenty yards downfield. I don't know. Like,
0: how Come on, man. Like no one, no one's buying. So that that's a total side note. But what are you watching in that game this weekend? I think I think that that's possibly another blowout.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think it'll be as big of a blowout. Um, I mean, that's hard to say because Bama just this year just looks like the clear cut top team. I mean, you know, they don't really have any weaknesses offensively defensively it's your typical Bama defense. So I could potentially see that one being a blowout as well, but I do think this one's going to be a little bit closer than the Ohio state Northwestern, potentially even Notre Dame Clemson as well. Um, but I think one of the big things that I'll be watching in this one is uh, the usage of Jace McClellan. Now you know last week everybody's gonna remember that big 80 yard run that he had. but you know he what goes under the radar there is though that he was he had more carries than Roy Dell Williams. Uh, Trey Sanders obviously didn't get any touches. So
0: (laughs) that's way to rub salt in that
1: wound. (laughs) So is my, my thing there is is Jason McClellan going to be the Bama running back for next year that you want, you know, McClellan was the number six RB in this class. So he's got that, you know, recruiting pedigree that you want and there's no clear cut top guy there yet. So I want to see him continue to work ahead of those other guys. Now, Obviously Najee's gonna be the guy there. And then they have Robinson Jr. too. So, you know, those two guys will probably play ahead of him. But if McClellan can can hang on to kind of the RB3 role this year and stave off the other guys, I wanna I'm probably gonna wanna keep an eye on him for, for 2021. Yeah.
0: And I, I have a message for Nick Saban too. While we're on oh, the, while we're while we're while we're yelling at coaches on the show here.
1: <laughs> Nick, listen up.
0: I he had his best player in a meaningless game that they were obviously going to win against Arkansas and Devonta Smith back returning punts. And he already had Jalen Waddle get hurt returning punts this year. Her return, I think his was on a kick return, but he was their actual returner. I can't get that mad about it. You have an entire bench – loaded with four and five star athletes at the corner position at the receiver position at the safety position at the running back position yep. that i'm sure can field a punt devonta smith scored the first one he took back to the house which was awesome i was like oh okay cool he can yeah, do that,
1: that heisman too. moment maybe
0: <laughs> exactly exactly i, w- I would have wanted to see, see him do like the pose and the end yeah. set. like that's my <laughs> power he didn't do it it would have been really cool to see him do it uh but then he put him back twice more. yeah, well, he returned two more. I think he was back there for more of them. He's gonna get like he puts these guys in meaningless situations in harm's way. And that is the one thing that he's done, especially this year that is just driving me nuts. He's given Naji they'll be up by like forty in the fourth quarter, and he has he's given Naji tough touches on the interior. Sit him down. You, you have. <laughs> Jace McClellan, you have Royda Williams, you have – I guess you don't have Trey Sanders. You have Keelan Robinson who I really like who they haven't really given any touches to this year. There are other options on that team. He needs to be – really because if it happens again, then I think you look at him and you say, what are you doing?
1: Yeah.
0: He's never going to get fired. I mean he's
1: a god. No. Dead, but,
0: yeah. But it starts to piss people off when you do – you're tossing your guys to the wolves like that.
1: So, yeah, because that could ruin somebody's career potentially. Yeah. You know, if they get yeah. hurt back there. Yeah. And like you were saying, it's just, it's unnecessary. You know, there's, they had how many receivers that they brought in this year, and they're electric guys, or, or even put Mechie back there if you want. If you want one of your top guys returning it, you use Mechie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But so. not to Smith.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, that, I mean, I, I mean, I think all the obvious guys were looking at pits in that game. Yeah. I mean, How do you feel about Mac Jones?
1: So I think Mac Jones has played his way into a position where he's likely going to be a, a round one quarterback this year. That's kind of where the talk's trending. So I think he's gone after this year. So obviously, you know, you want to see him, you know, be successful in those last two games there, put up some nice numbers. But as far as a pro prospect for for Mac Jones – I don't know. I, I probably I'm not out on him, but I'm not as high as everybody else is. Like we mentioned, you know, I want a guy who's mobile. Yeah. And he's he's not a statue, but you know, he's not really that mobile back there. You know, he's yeah. great accuracy, which is really nice to see. But you know, nowadays if a guy's not mobile, I'm not excited about him.
0: I, I think SEC defenses are still living on a reputation that is clearly hasn't been the case for like five years. Yeah. I, the people see that he's doing it at Bama, and uh, and they fail SEC defenses. There are, I mean, LSU put up like fifty, average fifty points last year. Alabama's doing close to. I think they might. Have even I think they are averaging at least fifty points a game this year. Florida's just dumping on guys. Like, there there are very f- few defenses in the SEC that are SEC defense in air quotes. Yeah, I'm doing is, that. You're afraid of, of. so. I do think he's living a little bit on that reputation. I'm not I'm not a Mac Jones
1: guy personally. I think we both share a yeah. similar opinion on that. Yeah, well I know you're not a Trask guy either. So so you're kind of out on the quarterback matchup in this one?
0: Yeah, I'm really only interested in the top 4 quarterbacks in this class. Um between, uh, between um uh, Wilson, Lance and then Fields and Lawrence. Those are the only four guys I'm really interested in. After that I I don't see I mean, I think Mac Jones at best is like Andy Dalton. Yeah. Like at guess, best. So, and that's like not a ceiling that I'm really shooting for.
1: No. And, and they're like, going to go higher. They're going to go higher in, in rookie drafts than than what you want to pay for them. You know, they're, they're going to be back end of the first round guys in super flex leagues, top end of the second in, you know, probably a non-super flex leagues with the amount of hype that they're going to get. Exactly.
0: If they were sitting there like the 210, and i had a pick yeah maybe i maybe i'll take mac jones just because shit i mean if he you know he can do the jalen hurts thing where he comes in for a game looks solid and you trade him off for like a late first and you're happy with that like uh, i yeah i just don't see him having any sort of longevity as a starting quarterback in the nfl but
1: yeah he just he just screams like long term backup to me you know he'll stick around the league for a while i'm sure yeah. but i don't think he's he doesn't have the upside that i look for in a quarterback like if you're not if, if you're not a mobile quarterback, if you're not like a high-end guy, uh, you know, as a rookie, then, you know, I'm not really that interested. I'll go get a Matt Stafford for cheap. Um, you know, I acquired a lot of Matt Stafford this off season, so, you know, I'll go get him for cheap. You know, you'll give me a, uh, even give me a Matt Ryan, you know, he's coming off of a down year, but he's still a guy that I think will have another two years left of solid production. And, you know, we talked about that two, three year window kind of thing that you want to shoot for. So, You'll give me those older quarterbacks that you have on the NFL side that have the proven production over, you know, this, you know, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, you know, over guys like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that.
0: Um, there are some, some intriguing G5 games this weekend too, uh conference championship wise. I know uh, the really the only one that I'm looking at is Cincy Tulsa. Uh, what what do you think of that game?
1: Yeah, I mean, with with Cincy there, you know, they've been surprisingly good on offense, but not really had any stars. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I kind of want to see Jerome Ford, you know, I, I want to see him break out a little bit there. I mean, they have to oaks. So yeah, I don't know how much you're going to see of him. But, you know, with your look ahead towards 2021, um, I, I'm assuming he's going to take over that backfield. So I kind of want to see that matchup there um but you know not not really a lot going on in the cincy tulsa matchup i mean you have uh what louisiana and and coastal carolina as well you know not really not really anybody i'm too excited about in that one y'all have my eye on maribel but i'm not really too interested in the g5 matchups right now uh just because at this point in the year you're thinking more towards 2021 um because either your season's over or your season never counted so, you know, the G5 guys are guys that you want to, you know, maybe keep an eye on for the future year, throw them on your watch list. But they're not guys that I'm actually actively going to go out and acquire.
0: Yeah. At and it, point of
1: year. Yeah. And it is a bit of a bummer this year.
0: Like it's usually you can use these games at the end of the year. If guys start opting out, you can see their replacements get a get a game in but we're not really having like a lot of individuals opt out. We're just having it's whole teams. games be canceled. So it's not a, like, I mean, Washington pulled out this weekend. I was interested in watching, you know, Kate Otten play uh, and some of their receivers. I mean, there's teams that, that I want to watch play and I can't draw any conclusions from them not playing. Although did you see the NCAA said that they can arrange their own games for this coming weekend or for like the bowl season. No, I didn't see that. That's interesting. There are like a bunch of stipulations. I I didn't read through all of it to see exactly, but I know there there are some some teams discussing that are opting out of bowl games that that maybe weren't comfortable with that, but they could be yeah. more comfortable with uh, just a regular game. So I don't know. I I think it's something to keep an eye
1: on. But yeah, that's interesting because I mean I know Pitt and BC. Both were two of the teams that I saw that opted out. Now, I mean, they're both ACC teams. So, you know, they would probably want to try and schedule somebody else, but. Yeah. Well, and LSU
0: LSU imposed that bull ban because they were going places this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: that was really big of them.
1: It was. Yeah. No, that was, I know it was tough for Coach O. Uh, You know, he and I spent many nights on the phone together, you know, crying, (laughs) talking about it. and, And it was a hard decision for him, but I think it was the right one for him, you know obviously you hate to see to hate to see what it did to their postseason chances but it was the right move
0: they always have next year yeah uh, all right so quickly
1: here at the end of the show
0: we like to kind of have a segment that's looking forward to next season i mean everything we talk about looks to the future but but really just one segment that focuses on what are we looking at specifically for 2021 so with that being said what if we're looking on the college side of things and maybe an offense that you find that you, that you think is going to take a step next year and that you can go out and buy a bunch of their pieces for really
1: cheap. Uh, the, for me, when you put this show, question on the show sheet, my eyes lit up, my, you know, my heart started beating fast. Um, you know, I got, I got real excited for this one because there's a clear cut answer for this for me. Yeah. You know, it was, I, I wanted to find a way to talk about these guys this off season and talk about them soon before, you know, other people started to catch up to him. And to me, that's Mississippi State. Uh, you know, they had that monster game week one against LSU where they broke the, the record. K.J. Costello threw for 600 passing yards. And, you know, they just absolutely lit, lit them up. And everybody got so excited. And they're like, wow, like, you know, th- this offense is going to be for real. And then it turns out that, you know, apologies to my good friend, Coach Joe, your defense just kind of sucks this year. <laughs> <laughs> so and then after that I mean that's when you saw it um just kind of just nose dive they got shut out by Kentucky which is the first time that uh, you know uh, Mike Leach has ever been shut out in his two decades of coaching uh, so you know and speaking of it, the, his two decades of coaching there when you go back and look at year one versus year two there's just such t- stark differences between year one of a Mike Leach offense, where he's coming in and just trying to get things going, and year two. Um, you know, Texas Tech's first year in 2000, they went three and five in the Big 12, which not bad for a Texas Tech team, but they only averaged 25.4 points per game, which is pretty low for a Mike Leach offense. And in all of five of their losses that year in, in conference play, you know, they were held under 24 points. So they didn't really do a lot there. But then year two in 01, they jump uh, you know, eight full points per game to 33.5 3. 3.5 points per game. They have five games over 40 points, including a 58 point game and a 63 point game. You know, then you transfer over to Washington State, 2012. Year one, they just bomb. They're one and eight in the Pac-12, which it's the Pac-12. So one and eight is pretty atrocious. They have twenty point four points per game with four games with less than seven points. Oh, jeez. Yeah, not good. And year two uh, in two thousand thirteen, they go four and five in the Pac-12, but they average thirty one points per game. So it's eleven point per game jump. They have three games under They only have three games that are under twenty points. they have four games that are over 40 points. So, you know, that highlighting the differences there between year one, year two, you can see that it just takes a while for Mike Leach to get in there, get his guys in there. And with Mississippi State this year, they didn't have any non-conference schedule. So there were no cupcakes where they could just pad their stats. You know, they only have 18.3 points per game this year. And then you had all of the, the mass defections that, you know, he just yeah mike leach is the kind of guy who bless his heart he's an asshole <laughs> so, you know he's gonna rub people the wrong way yeah yeah so it's not surprising that they had people leave it's pretty incredible
0: that they managed to find a guy that's a bigger asshole than him The replacement, washington state apparently
1: yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but mississippi state you know, they they have three nice pieces there um, that I like that I'm actively going to be looking to acquire this year. Uh, and the first one, Will Rogers, 6'2", 205. Um, you know, so he's got solid size, but he's a lightly recruited guy. He was only three stars, but he was recruited at Washington State before Leach transferred. So he's a Mike Leach guy. Um, you know, so he's a guy that... Mike Leach kind of had his eye on to run this offense and it took a little bit for him to get in there. You know, KJ Costello had to fall on his face and then fall on his face again <laughs> before, uh, before he finally put Will Rogers in. But will Rogers is like the ideal guy for a Mike Leach offense. You know, he, he can extend plays with his legs. He's not mobile though, but you know, he, he can move around and he just he looks really good in the short to intermediate areas of the field. Like his accuracy in that area of the field is really good. So, you know, if somebody's not paying attention in in your league and they didn't see him, um, you know, put up 440 yards and three touchdowns against Ole Miss, which it's Ole Miss. So, you know, Ole Miss's defense isn't great this year either, talking about those SEC defenses that are not great. But, you know, and then the week after that, this week against Auburn, didn't look fantastic. That was probably his worst game yeah 221 yards a touchdown two picks uh you know only 58.8% completion percentage where all of his other games where he was the starter were higher than 65% completion percentage yeah so, so it's, it's easy throws yeah,
0: so it's, it's a, those easy throws to that that offense he sets, sets right. up for him
1: yeah right which like I said, he's he's ideal in this you know he can take advantage of those situations and the thing the reason you want a Mike Leach quarterback is and this just absolutely shocked me when I was looking this up. The top four all-time pass attempts leaders, seven of the top ten, and ten of the top fifteen were all Mike Leach quarterbacks. That's in all-time pass attempts leaders. So you want Mike Leach's quarterback? So go get Will Rogers. You do have a little bit of risk there with Sawyer Robertson.
0: I was about to ask you about that. Do you think that you think there is some risk? Because I, I think Robertson's like rogers is a nice guy but robertson is he's looked good this year i've, I've seen a little bit of him play he's down in texas I, I just like those texas guys like it's just a higher level of competition and and like, like you were talking about with Rodgers, he's a he's a will leach guy so and it's not like Rodgers has done so much this year that you have to figure that He's the automatic choice. I don't know. It's a it's a dangerous buy, but he's probably so cheap anyway that it doesn't really matter,
1: right? It, there's like you said, there is that little bit of risk baked in with Robin Robertson, but I I, I don't think Mike Leach and Mike Leach isn't the the guy who goes with the freshman every year. Like you saw, it took a while for him to go to Rogers over Costello. You know, Mike Leach is a guy who likes to have a veteran in there. He likes to have a guy who has experience in his system. He likes a guy who he can just rely on. So that's why I think Will Rogers is going to hold off Robertson next year, despite Robertson being the the better recruit um, and potentially even being the better prospect long-term. You know, you, you don't always invest in Mike Leach offenses for the prospect, but you want to invest in Mike Leach offenses for your college fantasy team.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point.
1: Um, the other guy that I have, um, you know, hearts around in my notebook and, and you know, I'm, I'm writing Mr. Colin Wally is uh, Jaden Wally. And, you know, th- this guy has just been going nuts the past three weeks, three consecutive hundred yard games, um, seven catches, at least in each of them. Uh, you know, and that was against Georgia and Auburn. So, you know, two of the legitimately vaunted sec defenses um, you know and he put it up against them and then you know he put nine for 176 up against old miss so you know well, we mentioned how they're you know a fake sec defense but Jaden wally was a three-star athlete so it took a little bit of time for him to to transfer into like the wide receiver role and you know kind of get comfortable there but i think you know these last three games he looked really good He's solid after the catch. You know, he's an athlete, so he's got the the movement skills that you like to see. He's got a good wiggle after the catch, and he's tough. You know, he doesn't go down, you know, right away. But he also has nice hands for a guy who's you know who was an athlete is now you know moving full time into wide receiver. Um, so he's a guy also that I don't think is going to be very expensive at all. Like he may even be on your waivers still in some leagues. So that's I, another guy that I'm all in on.
0: I tried to pick him up this this past weekend along with two other guys in a league that we're in together where you know, we didn't have the regular season and some teams weren't really they, they weren't really paying attention yeah. on that side of things. And a team that hadn't paid attention at all came in and bid more than me on all three of them.
1: On his first yeah, move was, of
0: the season. It was just such a kick in the nuts.
1: Yeah, that was yeah, I wasn't real happy about that. He poached me on a couple guys as well, yeah. Wally included. Yeah, Wally was a guy that, that I, I, he's on my
0: my list of uh, of interesting guys. They bring in a couple four stars this this coming year too. Although mm-hmm. I've actually I've actually watched both of them and I really don't like either of them. But okay. uh, it, but uh, I mean Mike Leach, I don't doubt Mike Leach for for college fantasy. Right. If he thinks if he thinks these guys are kind of come in and put up a bajillion yards and then never go to the NFL, then sure, why not? I'll take it. Yeah.
1: Well, because how many legitimate pro prospects does Mike Leach turn out? Um, you know, that doesn't really have very many of them. I mean, he had Crabtree at, at Texas Tech, but that oh, was man. about it. I, I love Michael Crabtree. <laughs> but, I mean, that was about it. So you, you don't, like I said, you don't go for Mike Leach for the pro prospects. You go for what he's going to provide you on that college side. And like we said, he just, they're just going to throw the ball all the time. So yeah. you want the the quarterback. You want the receiver, but there's a guy that I know that you had your eye on. Cause we had off season talks uh, about this guy. Um, you know, you, you were a big, uh, Jaquavius Marks fan, correct? Yeah, right? I am. I still am.
0: I still am. I still love him.
1: Okay. They, yeah. He's another guy I had an eye on my eye on.
0: They, my they've really kind of, it, it's actually really interesting. They've kind of like bifurcated that, that backfield where Marks does most of the pass catching and um, oh, who's the guy that, that gets most of their their touches?
1: Like,
0: yeah. And that doesn't usually happen in a Mike Leach offense. So no. it's actually like blown my mind that he kind of separated those out. I don't know why he did that. I don't know if that's something that's going to continue to happen moving forward. Um, because it, Marks was not very efficient this year.
1: No. Uh, well, he had the he had the receiving game work. Um, you know, he had 10 catches in, in the game against Arkansas know nine catches in Texas A&M eight against Bama you know there was only um, two games that he had three catches or and the rest he had at least six in so he gets that receiving work but yeah it just did not look great on the ground know for, for whatever reason and which, it could be some offensive line issues too you know they've like we said they had a mass exodus there so
0: which it doesn't really surprise me I, th- I thought he was a good runner but I thought where his value was was obviously in the in the pass catching game. I thought he was probably the best, if not the best, the top three pass catching back in his in his freshman class. And I think he probably, he was my number one. I mean, Gibbs was obviously also very very good, and he's been very good this year. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, his efficiency. But the what the like Borgie's efficiency wasn't good last year with Washington no. State in that game either. So yeah, I mean. It's just one of those things where you have to look at Mike Leach's offense, realize what the trends are, and then just be okay with this guy never being anything of the pros.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, he, these like Wally and Rogers were the two guys that I was like, you can go out there, get these guys cheap, um, you know, particularly if maybe you don't have anything to play for in the NFL side, but you have like a Wayne Goldman type or. You know, somebody like that is probably not going to do much this year, but or next year, but you know, could still be productive for somebody who's a contender in the NFL side. You know, maybe float some offers out there for a package that would include Wally or Rogers. But you know, you, like you said, you you want those guys for the production they're going to put up on your college side. So if you are going to go out and get those guys, make sure that you your college team is looking like it'll be a contender. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, the, the, the offense that I wanted to highlight this week, and we talked a little bit about them last week with Rakeem Jarrett is Maryland. I, I think they, they're an offense that is really flying under the radar. They've had a couple big games this year and they've had a couple stinkers, but they haven't played very many games, which I think th- there's going to be a lot of value to be found in teams that just didn't play a lot of games this year. And I think Maryland is just a, is just naturally one of those teams and I like the offense because I think they have college producers at every single level, uh, starting with Tua's brother Talia, quarterback. I feel really bad that like everybody, like <laughs> like his name, his brother. name is Tua's brother Talia. Like that is like yeah. literally his name. He did, so I, I apologize to him. Talia Tagovailoa that is their <laughs> quarterback, and he's not Tua. Like let's no. be honest, he I don't think he has an NFL future. I, I've seen a couple of people get hyped about him. Over the past couple of weeks but it's like the hype is really high after he has one of his really good games everyone's like i told you he's just as, good as his brother and then he like plays a real team and he craps the bed and everyone just kind of shuts out like yeah you don't see anything for the next week and then they play again so i, I he can definitely facilitate the, at the college level I, I don't think he'll be anything in the nfl but i mean those guys sometimes break out late in terms of in terms of that so i think he's probably a cheap guy that you can get that's going to put up a ton of points and you cross your fingers and hope that he he continues to develop there in that offense with those weapons around him.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I mean, you know, at, at worst, I do see, you know, Talia being, you know, he'll get drafted for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, my only worry about trying to acquire a guy like Talia is just, just the name recognition. Yeah. Um, you know, it depends on just the state of your C2C league, but, you know, there's – so many players that it's hard to keep track of for everybody sometimes. So if you have somebody in your league who, you know, maybe isn't as focused on the college side, you know, they're they're more focused on the Debbie side and and they're the one who has Talia, it's probably going to be harder to pry him away from that type of a guy just because of the name value. That's a good point.
0: I didn't hear, I'm really disappointed. I didn't hear any instances last year when he was still with Bama of trade shenanigans. Where people like, you know, you have you have D. Johnson and D Johnson yeah. out in Houston, or like when there were two Adrian Petersons in the league and you could like yeah. <laughs> it, it would show up like Adrian Peterson, and people would accept the offer, and it like was the wrong one. Like I didn't hear of any instances of, of Talia being like T Tag of low and people were like, oh shit, like someone traded me Tua for this cheap, <laughs> and uh, just, which is a bit of a bummer because I, I just think that stuff like obviously it's stupid, and you probably yeah. reverse it, but like in the moment, like I, I I'm like a, I'm like I'm like twelve years old, I think that shit's hilarious. <laughs> but so beyond him, they have so uh, they have Penny Boone at running back. Penny with one N. Um, he, I don't love for NFL purposes these guys that just like get enormous for the sake of being enormous. And yeah. I feel like that's what Penny Boone did because he was listed at like 225 as a prospect. And you're like, man, if this kid looks like this, like he's already college and NFL size ready. And then they go, the, the 20 pounds, like the 20 pound rule doesn't apply to you because you're already 225. I don't need to see you gain a bunch of weight. To be happy about you moving forward. <laughs> but he went out and gained a bunch of weight. He's six, he's listed at 6'1, 245 on the Maryland website. He doesn't quite actually look that big on the field. Like if you if you pointed him on the field, I would have guessed maybe he's like 230. Um, but he is definitely like that David Bailey, AJ Dillon. I don't know. He's probably closer to Bailey than Dylan in terms of his yeah. athletic ability. But uh, I mean he 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 hurdled that kid a couple weekends ago and it was yeah,
1: his athleticism.
0: Like he, he does have the athleticism. So I don't like I don't want to sit here and like fat shame this kid because he's six one two five.
1: He's like, like on five, the COVID 20.
0: He's like five <laughs> times the athlete. Yeah, he's five times the <laughs> athlete I'll ever be. Um yeah.
1: My my COVID twenty compared to his COVID twenty is very different. Yeah, he gained two
0: extra ab muscles. He somehow has an eight pack and I got <laughs> man boobs. So it's like it's not really comparable. <laughs> but yeah, I I I mean I, I like him in that offense and I liked Funk in that offense this year too, as a guy that literally I'd never heard of coming into this year. So yeah. yeah, to figure he basically just steps into that that role and and funk had a pretty good year this year. I don't I didn't look up to see what his stats were, but but Every time I watch the game, I mean, that offense opens up holes for him, and yeah, so okay. I had 500
1: yards, 516.
0: Okay, so yeah, that's not in like five games, that's not bad. He had yeah. that big game against Minnesota, too.
1: Yeah,
0: I was why that's the first game I watched him, and I was like, Holy crap, is this kid in like a legitimate NFL prospect? And then I watched the rest of his games, and I was like, No, he's not. Yeah. But but he yeah. looked, I mean, thanks, Minnesota, for making everybody look like an NFL guy against you this year.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so going back to, to Benny Boone, I think one of the most interesting things I found for him was twenty four seven comped him to TJ Yeldon uh, coming out, which I just I don't see that at all in him. And and normally, like I'm not a big comp guy, so like I'm not going to bash anybody for for coming up with a comp because those are really difficult. But I don't see that one at all. So you know, whoever came up with that one over there, you know, you maybe need to go rewatch that. Yeah, that is athleticism, one. but
0: yeah, huh? that is, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said he was in that, that class of, of player at all. So mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but then they have a bunch of receivers too, that are pretty interesting. I think Jarrett, I really wanted Dante Dimas to be something for the NFL. And I'm just not sure he is. And it's like crushing me this year. He hasn't been, he hasn't even been disappointing. It's just like, I I, I've watched him a couple of times and he never really, I, uh, Jared had that game where he, you watch that game and he just took it over from the wide receiver position. Okay. Like that, that's what like a first round receiver looks like, or even like, you know, he's first or second round receiver. And even, I think even Deshaun Jones has had more moments where I'm like, that looks more like an NFL guy than Demas, yeah. but I do. The thing is, though, I think Demas gets drafted before Jones because he's way bigger at 6'3", 217. Like, he has a really nice size. He reminds me a little bit of DeMontic Coxie. He's a guy that's coming okay. out this year that I think is pretty – like, he's a very similar player to that, in my opinion. Um, but even – I mean, even so, I think he's, they still put up a lot of points in college between him and Jones, so.
1: Yeah, I think – I'm a huge Rakeem Jarrett fan, so, you know, you talking about him, that's music to my ears here. Um, he was actually my number one wide receiver in, in that class this coming year. I um, you know, I liked him just a little bit better than, than Julian Fleming. Um, but yeah, no, I, so, so I love Rakeem Jarrett. Like I would love to buy him this off season, but I don't know how cheap you're going to get him. Who would be, you know, what would be a package that you would be looking to give up to get Jarrett? If you were trying to acquire some of these pieces of this Maryland offense.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked the other, We talked on the last show about uh, if you're making a if you're making a push, maybe you move like a an or uh, you get like Allen Robinson as like the the owner. Maybe you would seek out and try to make a move there. Obviously, not one for one, but I re- I really do think it needs to be like that class of a wide receiver. Because um, I, if I if I'm making a push, I have no objection to doing you know him plus a like a, a Christian Kirk. Or you know, like a a guy that can still play in the NFL, but I'm not stoked to see him in my starting lineup every week. If I'm looking at like if I'm talking about college guys to trade for him, that's a really tough one. Um, If you're looking within the position, I would say I have him ranked right around like uh, Keishawn Boutte from LSU. I like Boutte a little bit more, but I think he's still within that range. I like a who I have around him here. I have Drake London right below him. I have Jordan Addison in that range. Marvin Mims. Those are the kind of names that I think are in like with. It. But I, but I think because he has the name recognition, you right. probably have to add something on top of that. So does that right. is that worth it at that point? You're probably. I think right
1: it'll up probably up. be hard to trade within the position for a guy like Jarrett who has the name value, has the recruiting pedigree, and is probably going to be a big producer at the college level. So are there any, is there anybody that's not a wide receiver that you'd look to, to so maybe I, move for?
0: So if I just look at my other, like my number eight, so Rakeem Jarrett's my number eight Debbie receiver, and he's a right around there for my C2C rankings as well. If I compare him to like my number eight running back is Eric gray. And okay. that's an intriguing trade for me. I think that is actually pretty darn close where gray is going to put up a lot of points in college. I actually sat down this weekend and watched Eric Gray. I watched like five games of his. I was a little bit disappointed in him. I think Kyron Williams is what everybody wants Eric Gray to be. Okay. But Eric Gray is a guy where I could see making that trade, and and I think both owners, if you have a need at that position, would probably be happy with it. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I
1: like that. I like that. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I think that is our show for tonight ran a little bit longer than we, we usually like to here, but we really wanted to talk about those conference championships. Um, and, and the transfer portal is, is ever looming in the background. So, uh, we will see you guys on Thursday this week, uh, with our Canton bound show. Um, we are releasing this show um, here today, along with our two shows from last week, which got delayed a little bit. Um, and then from here on out, it looks like it's going to be Monday night and Thursday night releases for the two shows um, barring unforeseen circumstances or, I mean, next week's Christmas. So I, we haven't discussed that schedule yet, but um, probably, probably won't be uh, probably won't be
1: those nights next week either. But, but, but yeah. going
0: forward, that's, that's going to be the regular uh, timetable, I think.
1: Yeah, so so stay tuned for for a little bit of an up uh, adjusted schedule for next week. But beyond that, um, yeah, look for us on Monday nights with or Mondays with campus life and Thursdays with uh a Canton Bound. Yeah.
0: All right. So I'm Austin. You can find me at Debbie Dietz on Twitter. He's calling. You can find him at Campus2Canton with the, the two as the number. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: is the currently the official Twitter account of this podcast. Yes. And the Canton Bound.
0: Yes. So with that, we will uh, say uh, have a good night, guys, and we will see you in a couple of days. Have a good one.